Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Best Deal episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about the legendary best deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person executing it. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor possible. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Royal-Smith. I'm the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, your one-stop shop for everything real estate, asset protection, business, tax, you name it, we do it all under one roof at Royal Legal. And I am here with the one, the only Dave Zook. And it's going to be an amazing episode, guys. Um, I've already just had a great conversation with Dave before we even got on the air about his, uh, that he has like a parachute plane. He loves to go fly around, um, and this thing can actually take off and out of his backyard in only 50 yards. And I'm absolutely sold on that being the next toy that I have to have among my assortment of dirt bikes and everything else. Um, I'm, I'm sold on the, the fun of flying and uh, what you can do there in the air. So, Dave, thanks for joining me here on the show today. I'm, a, I'm excited to sit down and um, have an opportunity to walk, walk through the deal but for everybody who doesn't know you, um, do you want to give us like a little background so you can kind of set the stage for the story we're going to talk about today so they can get to know you a little bit? Yeah, sure. Well, thanks, first of all, for having me on your show, Scott. Um, yeah, so my history, um, I, I started out, I've always been an entrepreneur. I mean, in my teens, I was figuring out ways to make money, but I, I saw my dad do real estate in such a way that he uh took the investment or took the capital that he made from his very successful business and invested it and you know basically just parked it in real estate he bought, bought farms and land and and some single family homes and i watched him manage self-manage some of the single family homes and i specifically decided that i wasn't going to be a real estate investor and i invested in several different businesses started a few um managed a few got to the point where uh, some of them were very successful and I ended up having a serious tax problem. Um, the one year I remember where I was standing when my CPA called and said, well, you know, we've taken your deductions, all the deductions we could. We know you paid your quarterly payments, but you still owe several, several hundred thousand dollars in tax. And and I, I did a deep dive and I was reading a lot of Robert Kiyosaki and it drove me crazy when he said, you know, you can make millions of dollars a year and pay no tax. So I had to find out what that was all about. And through my searching and uh, my education, I, I learned that real estate can be a real tax shelter, specifically multifamily real estate. So I, I changed my mind on the real estate thing and, and all of a sudden I couldn't get enough of it. Started buying multifamily real estate. I uh, got to the point where I owned several hundred units of my own, got to the point where I eventually ran out of my own money, and uh, I started syndicating, uh, put some deals together and invited some of my uh, business owner friends, and we went out and, and uh, did some deals together. So that's sort of where my syndication uh, career started. And, you know, people, people ask me, well, how'd you get into real estate? I, I basically tell them, well, I, I got chased into it. I had a tax problem. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like uh, that the taxes were the pieces that kind of led you into doing the real estate um, in the beginning. How have you used multifamily investing to, um, to help solve those tax problems? You know, the, 
the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, when we got the new Trump tax uh, law, that was a that was a gift to real estate investors. Yeah, now that you can use bonus depreciation on new or used equipment, you can use uh, you know cost segregation study, which was always available or, or for a long time. But the combination of of using leverage, using cost segregation studies, and and then that new gift that we got from Trump, uh, you can use bonus depreciation. I mean, you combine those; it's a powerful thing, and it can make a you know it can make a huge difference to uh, some to an investor who's got a tax problem, and so just uh, just being familiar with that and getting my head around that, and then you know having a good CPA and going out and and making it happen. I mean, it it's uh, it's life changing. Tell tell us a little more about that. Have you seen people um, like buy that have active businesses buy like apartment complexes to be able to offset their active businesses with their real estate, or how do people typically use that? So. There are some rules to be able to use depreciation to offset active or ordinary income. You have to be a real estate professional, and there's some specific rules around being a real estate professional. Uh, number one, you got to put you know 750 a minimum of 750 hours into uh, the real estate space. Number two, it's got to be your primary. Uh, not source of income, but it's got to be your primary activity. Let's say, for instance, you have a, you know, a, a job or career where you're putting in 30 or 40 hours a week, and now you're involved in the real estate space, and you're putting in 750 hours, but you're only putting in 20, 25 hours a week in real estate. That doesn't cut it. Uh, you got to put more time into real estate than you do in any other activity. So there's some specific rules around it, you know, and, and there's benefits to uh, investing in real estate, you know, above and beyond building a real estate professional. But if you really want to tap into it, and in my case, where I was making a lot of income from active ordinary business uh, business interests, uh, it, the two combined um, just made a lot of sense. So for me to be a real estate professional and then being able to offset all of my other ordinary or active income, um, it, it, it made a huge difference. Who do you like to read in that space? Is there any particular books or blogs or people you follow that really keep you on the cutting edge of what's going on with how to maximize your tax savings as a, as a real estate professional? Tom Wilwright re, uh, wrote a really good book. It's called Tax-Free Wealth. Uh, Tom is a friend of mine. Um, his partner, who a former employee of Tom's or he was being mentored by Tom uh, ended up buying the firm provision from Tom Wheelwright and uh, I'm a client of his. So Tim Gertz is my CPA. Um, he's the best that I've ever worked with. He's one of the best tax strategists in the world, in my opinion. And uh, so, yeah, reading books, getting your mind around it, knowing that there's possibilities out there, that's all good getting out there and doing it and, and doing business with a really good CPA is even better because, you know, you can study this stuff, but until you get out there and really do it in the real world and have, you know, first class um, team players that will help navigate through those things. I mean, we're, I'm on the phone with him on a weekly basis, you know, shooting questions to him like, Hey, what if you do this? What if, what if you, what if you combine this with that? And what if you, 
you know, mix it all together. You know, what do you get? What do you end up with? And we're, we're on the phone strategizing around this stuff. You know, not only for myself, but for my investors. My investors have all kinds of different needs. And, you know, to be able to find an investor's need and then to try and, you know, put something together, craft something together for that investor, we're strategizing with that stuff all the time. So when you're looking at like what deals to get into, are you typically, you know, I bet you're probably saying like, is this a deal that I'm comfortable with? Do I think I can make money at it with an opportunity um, first? And then is your second phone call to your CPA to figure out what are the tax consequences if we do that deal? Or what's your process and decision-making when you're looking at new deals or opportunities? So, and it, yeah, so in the past, it used to be all about, okay, if I invest a hundred grand, how much can that hundred grand make me in return what's my cash on cash return and that's the only thing i really was concerned about now it's much deeper than that now i look at it from you know not only a cash on cash return but that might be my second or third criteria um but definitely keeping an eye on knowing what that asset knowing what that investment will do for you from a from a tax perspective you know that's often one of my top uh criteria is when i'm looking at an investment uh opportunity because you know, if, if you know that if you don't protect the income that you're making on the active or ordinary side and you just go out and your your whole goal is to make more ordinary income, you're going to pay a tax. You're going to pay a lot of tax. So looking at an investment from not only the cash on cash side, but also from the tax side and saying, OK, what's this look like? You know, how is this going to help me? keep the money that I'm earning, not just how's it going to look like from, you know, what's it going to look like and how can I make more money? Yeah. Right on. So, so when you're looking at people, say you have somebody that comes to you and says, Hey, I got this active business, um, you know, uh, and, and they're doing like a bunch of, you know, some type of active consulting business. Right. And they come and say, Hey, I got all this wealth and I need help um, looking at how do I get the taxes down? Is, is real estate a strategy that you would typically recommend for somebody to say, hey, listen, you know, actually push your time to become a real estate professional and go out and buy a multifamily property? Or from your experience, has there been other tax, um, tax things that are actually better to consider for, for people that are in that position? It depends. I mean, everybody's situation is different. But yes, if you have a, uh, let's say a, a dentist or a, a doctor that's making, you know, high six figures, low seven figures, and he's, uh, you know, that's not, that's case, very successful dentist or doctor on you. So that conversation is going to be much different than someone who has a lot of um, assets that's, you know, spitting off, uh, income and he's got passive income for protect. Those are two different things. So yes, I always go at it from what's the need of the investor and how can we, you know, maximize the benefit from this investment because we, we're involved in several different asset classes. We're involved in, you know, not only multifamily, although we're not buying much in the multifamily space right now. Um, I, we're also investing heavily in, in self storage right now. Uh, but then there's, uh, we're also the sixth largest operator in the ATM space in the United States. Um, there's some benefits there that, that, you know, are different from a, from a multifamily asset. 
we've got a, a deal going on in, in South Texas right now where we're, it's a shale oil play. And, and that's a totally different investment. That, that investment, you can, you can offset ordinary income. So it really depends what the investor's situation is to kind of, you know, help guide uh, their decisions or help, help guide them in the right directions if tax is a big concern for them. So in your experience, is the, is the most valuable advisors that you run across, so guys that can look at the, the, the tax side of pieces for you and say like here and, and, and care up for you, like here's your tax where you're losing money on tax and here's how, what types of investments you could be making to save money on tax. And, and then you'll learn those new types of investments. Like I don't know anything about shale oil, but I would be willing to learn, for example, if my CPA came to me and said, hey, by the way, you're going to save, you know, a ton of money on your taxes just by making this type of investment. Is that the kind of thinking you're using when you're going into new areas or how are you thinking about how do you expand into different types of investments? Yeah. I mean, look, if you, if you just want to go out and make a lot of money, I mean, you could go out and make a hard money loan, private money loan and get, you know, 12, 13, 15% with a first lien. Um, you know, that's, that's an okay strategy if you just want to go out and make a bunch of money. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're making, you know, 13% and you got to give half of it back to the government, now you're making six and a half. So, you know, looking at an investment where you can get a hundred percent bonus depreciation first year and then get some depletion on top of that, or, or, you know, get some, get some other benefits on top of that. I mean, those, those are all things you got to ask yourself. And, you know, people ask me all the time, like, you deal in a couple of different asset classes, which is the best one, which, which you feel is the best one. Well, it's always the answer is it depends. I mean, the right one for me could be different this year than it will be next year. So the right one for you, I have no idea. Let's talk. And, you know, so you get down and you try and figure out, okay, I mean, really the two biggest questions in, in your uh, tax picture is how are you making your money and how are you spending your money? And so if you get those two nailed down, it's pretty easy to figure out, you know, what you got to do when you're looking to offset that tax liability. Yeah, that's awesome, Dave. That's wise words, man. Well, let, let's jump into the, let's jump into a specific deal and talk through it. What do you say? So what do you want? You want to hear the best one first? Or you want to hear the worst one first? Uh, well, I think we got time for one. And you know me, I always love to talk about the worst one because those are the ones where you usually get the down and dirty of what's going on. Yeah, so I mean, to me, it always comes to it always comes down to the team. You know, if you got a great team, they can make something good come out of a bad situation. If you got a bad team, they can screw up a good deal. So for me, it was a deal. It was one of the very. It was actually the very first big multifamily property that I bought. I teamed up with a guy down in Memphis and we did a seventy-two unit deal together. And I got sold on this deal, and I made so many mistakes. Uh, one of the mistakes I made, I was the only investor in the deal. So he was the and and one of the reasons I invested with him was I was going to learn from him and he would teach me a bunch of things about syndication and and, you know, it was early on in my career. Well, he, he taught me something, but it wasn't exactly what I was going to learn. Um, so, you know, it was, it, I, I got into the deal. I got in with the wrong guy, ended up losing 
almost a half a million bucks on that deal over wow. a long three-year, three, four-year period. But, uh, you know, I talk a lot. I mean, I, I hear me talk at a, at a live event. Um, you know, I talk about the team a lot. And I wasn't necessarily just born with that instinct. I got it pounded into me. And, it, you know, I've learned some painful lessons. But most of the time, those painful lessons were around the team and the people, you know, lack of competence or, you know, I got sold or I may, you know, I got, I, I made a bunch of mistakes and I got emotional about the deal. So that's what happened there. And it ended up costing me a lot of money. Um, when you're looking at your team, um, what type of vetting process are you typically looking at for, um, well, let's talk about the type of vetting process you use for that first guy, the guy that went sideways on you. Did you like check references on him and, and, all that kind of good stuff, or how did you know he, to, he was safe enough to put money with? Yeah, so it looks a lot different today than um, you know he was an educator in the space. So to me, I just assume that when you're educating in the space, you know all about it, and you're you know you're you're the best guy. You you know it's kind of like kind of like the professor up front of the class. You know, I mean, this guy knows everything about everything. Well. You know, I just assumed that, that this guy knew what he was doing. Uh, he was a good sales guy, too, so that didn't hurt. Uh, today, it's much more um, thorough than it was back then. I mean, number one, if you cold call me, your chances of getting anywhere with me is pretty slim. Um, I'll give you an example of, of our sales storage team a couple years ago. Um, several people in my network kept telling me about this team, and, you know, when I – Talked to these guys, you know, they had done a total of 11 deals with this self-storage team and couldn't say enough of good things about it. Had done business with them for a couple of years. Well, that's a great start. You know, if you can talk to, I don't, I don't really care so much what you tell me about you as what other people tell me about you. So, you know, that's a great start. Um, we had an initial conversation. Uh, I, ended up, I ended up having them come up here. Uh, I've got a good friend who's very well uh, established in the self-storage space. He's actually, he was actually the uh, chairman of the National Self-Storage Association. And so he, he knew his way around the self-storage world. So I had these guys come up. I had one of the principals of the company come up. I took him into to my friend's boardroom. He and another advisor of mine interviewed him. Um, for an hour and a half, uh, probably more like interrogated him, but, uh, you know, and then of course, you know, you do the standard things like background checks. Anytime I have investors money at risk, I always do a background check on the sponsor. That's pretty, that's pretty standard, but just a whole, you know, and then after that, I went down to see their facilities and see their meet the team and, you know, it was a whole process, but you know, and it was a pretty thorough process. Yeah. Uh, but those are some of the things along with probably five or 10 others. What, what do you think that uh, failed um, for you that had you make the place of money wrong? Or is that just sometimes like how things go? Or say like, what would be like the learning point from first from deal that? that I did? The, the learning point, I mean, there were several. Number one, the very first deal that I did with him, I, I went all in. I was the only investor. I got, I got emotional about the deal. You know, he, like I said, he was a good sales guy. Uh, you know, 
I would say as a as an investor, start slow. Uh, invest fifty or hundred grand uh, and and make your sponsor perform. Um, just um, you know, just those two things alone. You know, had I had I just done those few things, and then and then look deeper into. Uh, I'm never too interest, interested in in a referral when it's generated by the sponsor, but if you can find, uh, you know, this space is pretty small. This investor world of ours is pretty small. So if you ask around, number one, you'll either hear about the guy and you'll hear good or bad things about the guy, or you won't hear hear anything about him at all. And you know. Even that, if you don't ever, if you don't hear about, uh, you know, if, if I ask someone about Scott Smith and nobody's ever heard about him, that's uh, a red flag. Uh, if I ask him and say, well, yeah, I've, I've done some business, but, uh, you know, we've only been in, in it six months. And it's kind of, okay, well, that's, that's uh, yeah, let's keep an eye on that one for a while. But if somebody says, well, look, I've known him for 10 years and man, we made a lot of money together and we've been doing business together. We've done a ton of deals together and, and I love the guy. Now we're, now we're uh, going down the path that uh, you definitely got my interest at this point. So, you know, referrals, there's nothing, there's nothing replaces um, track record and having people talk about you and saying, Hey, look, I've known this guy for five or 10 years. I've done a lot of business with him. Nothing is as strong as that, in my opinion, as, as that. You can have a nice glossy. You can have a nice glossy brochure, and you can have a nice strong resume, and you can, you can doctor that thing up pretty good. But I want to hear what other people are saying about you. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. I think that that's one of the the key pieces. You know, is you got to find out what um, what are people actually saying, and not just online, but like person because you got to be able to judge whoever's telling it to you, right? Like if they look like uh -huh. a and they're the one endorsing the guy. You're like, okay, that referral is probably not nearly as good, you know? And right. do, do you uh, typically schedule um, like multiple times to meet somebody before you'll do business with them? Like intentionally to say like, hey, I want to spend at least, you know, an hour with them on four different occasions to kind of see them in different lights before I, I put together or what's that vetting process look like in a face-to-face? Not not so hard when I've got a really good. I mean, in the case of our self storage team, I had a really good. Uh, I had I was referred to them by some folks that I trusted, and so when you've got that, then the vetting process isn't quite as thorough as it would be if somebody uh, came in a little colder than that. If somebody came in and I had to start from scratch, then absolutely that would be one of the things I would want to do. Um, but, you know, it, it really all depends. It depends on, well, number one, it depends on, uh, you know, if you're planning on doing a million dollars with them or in the case of our self-storage team, we plan on, on doing, you know, 20 million or 50 million. Um, you know, so it really depends on, it's on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, but it, you know, to go down that path, yes, the more there is at risk and the less you know about the people, the more to go that you have to do on. When you're looking at like a new deal with somebody, um, what are the types of red flags that you're looking for that are, are not intuitive, you know, like things that are more subtle that you pick up on, you say, hey, that's actually um, not something that's obvious, but something that say like, this is one of my buttons that I look for into it. 
like one one of them that I look for is like uh, when I was meeting people was like how messy their <laughs> this is gonna sound crazy but I would actually look to see like how messy their car was because I figured like if it was somebody that didn't take care of like sure. their vehicle and like didn't have that part of their life organized and didn't care enough about something they spent all this time in they're definitely not gonna be caring about an asset you know that comes right. into you know do you have any things that are like that for you yeah no, I, well. I, I love, especially in the early part of the process, I love to give them a chance to lie to me and see if they'll take it, see if they'll take the bait. I'll ask them a question where I already know the answer. Um, I'll do, uh, you know, let's say I don't know the answer, but they give me one, and then I'll go back and fact check. I'll verify. I'll, I'll fact check it with somebody. Uh, I'll just give you an example. Like it, early on in our relationship with our shale oil team, you know, the one deadline got missed by a couple of days, and and you know I'm asking him well, what happened, like why, and oh man, we had six inches of rain down here over the weekend, and we just you know, we 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 couldn't work for like three days. Well, I I called the local hotel, and I'm asking them, you know, about the room rates, and they're checking things out, and then I say, well. You know, hey, tell me about the weather you had down there last weekend. You know, uh, you had a little rain. Oh, man, yeah, it rained six inches. You know, I mean, just simple things like that. You know, it's the guy telling me the truth. Well, you know, you know if he's going to lie about little things, he's probably going to lie about things that, you know, that, that, that are more serious. You know, and, and the other thing is, you know, I mean, yeah, get to know the guy. You know, if he's if, if he's married and, and you see him at the bar or, you know, flirting with some other woman, you think, uh, you know, uh, you think he's going to be faithful to you as a business partner if he's not faithful to his wife. Um, you know, just, yeah, little, you know, things that, uh, look, in this business, everything matters. You know, how you show up in the marketplace, uh, those things that we just talked about, you know, they may sound like, you know, exaggerating about the weather it may sound small, but again, if he's going to lie to you about the weather, you think he's going to be truthful about things that really matter when you get into it, you know, when you get into it at a deeper level. So yeah, yeah you look for everything. How do you think people balance that being like authentic, showing up as their authentic self with also saying like, I need to have a particular image, you know, to be able to fit in the box of like what looks trustworthy. I know that's something that I, in the lawyer field, we have a lot of discussions about, like even me showing up on video with like a collared shirt on, you know, in my, inside of my own studio, a lot of attorneys would be like, whoa, that's way too dressed down. You're not projecting the image of like, I'm the smartest guy in the room and I'm a hyper professional and I'm going to take care of all the details because you're dressed too casually. Right. But I'm like, my authentic person isn't the stuffy suit. You know, I, I like dirt biking. I like being a, a kick ass at my job and running a great company. But like that other thing is not me. But then you have these like, you know, fights back and forth about it. And um, I was wondering if you, do you have any thoughts on that, Dave, of like how people balance those two things? Yeah. I mean, you know, one of my mentors, you know, always says, time will either promote you or expose you. And so, you know, going into a new relationship sometimes is hard because you don't have that time. But, you know, eventually those things will come out. But no, I do think, I mean, I appreciate the fact that people are themselves. Look, if you're not a suit and tie guy, you know, 
you don't have to show up in a suit and tie, but I, I would say, you know, be somewhat, be consistent. Like, you know, just be you. Like, don't, don't you know, come out there with a suit and tie on stage one time and then a t-shirt the next. You know, like, you know, create the brand that you want to, uh, you create the person that you want to be, show up in the marketplace or be consistent. I, I have no problem investing with somebody um, who shows up in a in in a, in, a jean, in jeans and and uh, you know a button-down shirt? It's you know or, or a t-shirt. It's not. I don't have a problem with that. But you know, track record. If you've got a strong enough track record, I'd argue to say, well, you don't need the suit and tie. You know, let you know be yourself and get out there and do your thing. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good good lesson. Uh, you know, one that I've taken to heart, one that I promote myself too, which is, you know, you can't, there's nothing actually more powerful than authenticity and just being sure. like being extremely authentic in today's marketplace is um, how have I've seen a lot of people get an edge, you know, because there's so much fluff out there, isn't there? When you're trying to yeah. do with filmmakers and professionals and everybody's, um, do you feel like that a lot too? Like with uh, today's day and age, like, where people are starting to do things that's not like a stretch or an embellishment of their accomplishments, but they're like in left field with how great they say they are by comparison to what their real track record is when you dig into it. Yeah. You know, I, I, again, I, I take it uh, much more seriously when I hear somebody else saying good things about you than when you're saying good things about you. I mean, you're a good sales guy. Um, you know, you, you can say whatever you want to say and, and get away with it. But when it really comes down to it, I'm much more concerned about what other people are much more interested in what other people are saying about you than, than what, what you're saying about you. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, cool, man. Well, let's wrap up with like a lesson, lesson learned. Um, my, my lesson learned from today's talk, Dave, um, was a couple of things. One, um, it's just a reinforcing the concept of saying, hey, if you can find a way and you have active income to be able to become a real estate professional, legitimately claim that, then there's opportunities with, you know, multifamily, self-storage and other opportunities to be able to take on tax advantages to offset that income. Uh, great things to be looking into and always be looking into, like, what are great deals there? Um, and as well as what I think what you just said, which is, you know, look for what other people are saying about somebody and who are the people that are saying it and judge both both of those more than, than anything else, um, than what they hear online or, or, um, what you might hear, uh, on blogs or what the case may be, but like people you actually know, you trust them that are saying great things about somebody. That's where you're going to get your best info about who that person is and that you want to do a business with. If you wanted to leave the listeners today, Dave, with a um, lesson, lesson learned from your talk, um, what would that be? If you do business with great people, great things will happen. If you don't, they won't. Yeah. We just had that talk actually with uh, David. Uh, you might not know him, David Osborne. He's like one of the top guys in Keller Williams. He's out here yeah. in Austin. And oh, yeah. I, oh, you know? Yeah, I know him through GoBundance. So okay. it was a group that he founded. And um, he like, it, it, every single time I hear him talk on anything he does, he just beats us over the head. Um, just beats all of us over the head with it's like, it's recruiting. You should always be recruiting new professional relationships, new business relationships. You always should be like finding who are the best possible people you can interact with. And everything in your life is about how good of people you can interact with and how good of people you can have work for you and building stuff. And that's how you really leverage. 
Um, so anyway, I just are do you that. Part of, are you part of? Are you part of Go Bonnets? Yeah, yeah, I've been a I've been a Go Bro for like over a year now. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, I know I know quite a lot of uh, Go Bonnets guys. Sounds like a great organization. Yeah, we're actually having another event, I guess, coming down here in Austin uh, pretty soon. If uh, if you have the time and the patience, I know they allow, allow in um, a certain number of uh, visitors into it. And it's just a great time. You know, everybody gets together. It's like kind of like an adult. The best way I can describe it is like an adult fraternity of millionaires, you know, <laughs> of yeah. like kids get together. And uh, I've never had a bad time, like ever with it. And I'm super picky about who I like to spend time with um, because it's, it's like it's so challenging. Like everybody there is on a level business-wise and there's a huge range, right? Um, of how people are there, but then the, what makes it cool is not just about, it's not about the money, it's about all of the like other pillars. What are the other values that you have around like, how do you live your life with bucket list adventures? How do you focus on your family? How do you focus on your relationships? And looking at something that says like, there's a lot more to life than just the money we make, but, and we've all, you know, achieved that piece, but what about all the other pieces, you know, uh, that have to come into play to actually make this whole thing, you know, whole thing great. Um, and I haven't, I haven't found many organizations that are like that. Well, one of the things, uh, one of the things we do as an investor group, one of the things I do is I try to get together with my investor or give them the opportunity to get together with me twice a year. Um, in the summertime we have, and it's coming right up here next month in the summertime, we have a, a barbecue in the backyard at my house and there's, Typically, there's a hundred or more investors here, and you know, one of my mottos is, "Hey, look, you, you hang with great people, great things are going to happen, and it's just, you know, you can't help it." And then we have a winter retreat in Belize, and it's informal. It's it's one thing where I I send out uh, an invite to, to you know our investors saying, "Hey, look, I'm going to be in Belize, you know, in February. I'll throw out the dates, and my CPA is going to be there, and and you know, maybe a couple of our you know, investment partners, our, our sponsors or whatever. And, and, you know, if you want to come hang, uh, if, you know, if you want to come hang out with us, we're going to be there on such and such date. And, uh, you know, typically there's, you know, 20, 30, 40 people show up for that. And it's just a great time. And, uh, and the whole thing around that is just to get to hang out with great people and get to know each other. And, you know, good things going to happen. You can't help us. Yeah, that's awesome, Dave. But anybody looking to, to hang out with you and, and maybe become an investor and have an opportunity to form a better relationship with you, what's the best way for them to, um, to start that? Well, there is uh, so you can go to our website at therealassetinvestor.com to connect with us. Um, my email address is info at therealassetinvestor. And if you send an email either myself or one of my one of my team members will respond uh i also got a little gift for your listeners um i've got a little i uh, got a little gift that uh got a little write-up it's eight lessons for syndicators and their investors so if uh, if your folks reach out to me and send an email to info at the real asset um i'd be happy to send them a little copy of that book awesome man thanks for doing that um Hey, so everybody reach out to, uh, reach out to Dave at info at the real and grab that ebook from the, I know these ebooks, like the same thing that we have with Royal Legal that all you guys have read were the top 10 things you need to know about asset protection. 
Uh, these are the, the most important pieces of information that you can get um, to start a relationship with somebody and check them out. Uh, because what we do is we take what all the most exciting ideas we can possibly come up with and we channel it in that first book because we want it to be an amazing experience for you um, into there. So if you go to the if you just email Dave at info at the real you're going to get some of his absolute best information to be able to see like, how does Dave think and what is he, what is he looking for when he's getting into these types of business deals? So email him there and get that, um, get that ebook. Dave, did you have something you want to add? The, you uh, just one one little correction. My email address is info at the real asset investor.com. Oh, sorry, I read this wrong. In, info at the real asset investor.com. You send an email out to us, we'll respond to you. Okay, info at the real asset investor.com. And we're going to have it in the show notes and everything here to you guys for you. So that way you guys can be able to pick it up from that too, in case you're driving your car or whatever the case may be. So awesome, Dave. Well, thanks for uh, coming on the show today. Um, I'm going to be in touch with you about um, what you got going on here in the future. And I just got your text uh, with that awesome video. I can't wait to watch it. Um, strapping a fan on my back and gliding through the air just sounds like way too much fun not to do it. So I can't wait to check that out. So thanks, man, for coming on. And we'll be in touch. All right, you, you guys, Scott. Thanks for having me on the show. I enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks, brother. See ya. That's all for this Best Deal episode. And I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. When investments go good, they can go great. Your legendary best deal could be your next one, so keep at it. Thank you for joining us, and if you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in those sleeping masses for what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day, and I'll see you again soon.